Freedom is just another word for the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. A Medicare podcast that longs to revive National Lampoon. Just a hop, skip, and a jump from normalcy, it's Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's me, Doug Jones, your Medicare expert. I'm sure that my Canadian nephew, Drew McMillan, just told you that. Welcome to another exciting episode of Medicare for the Lazy Man. I'm so happy to have you all here today. I'm hoping to share some valuable and perhaps entertaining Medicare knowledge. I'm hoping that you find this to be a worthwhile uh, time in uh, your day. I know you probably have a busy day with lots of things to do, but you've taken the time to Uh, Join us for this episode, and I don't want to make it a waste of time for you. I want it to be completely worthwhile, and I want you to look back on it and say, wow, that was was certainly great. When is the next episode coming my way? One of the ways that I'd like to make it worthwhile is to encourage you to consider buying my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023. If you're approaching Medicare transition uh, from Obamacare, or if you're approaching your 65th birthday and it's time to think about what insurance you're going to need to protect yourself from medical expenses going forward, then Medicare looks like your best bet. And because of that, there are a lot of people offering advice and uh, standing in line ready to uh, tell you what they think you ought to be doing. I am one of those people, but I like to think that my advice is simpler to understand and uh, superior when executed properly. I can convey my advice to you in a very painless manner by virtue of my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023. If you go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com and put that into the search window, Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023, you will find a, a world of advice that is actually condensed into a fairly small book And it will guide you in your encounter with Medicare. It will be a short, pleasant read. It will be a um, memorable read, in fact, because everybody that I talk to about this goes back to refer to certain chapters that are more meaningful to them. And I expect that would be the same with most people as they approach Medicare. What's my first step? What's my second step? What's my third step? And uh, before you know it, You have Medicare. With uh, my assistance, you will have enrolled in the uh, ancillary medical products that plug the holes and gaps in Medicare, and you will have full-blown protection against uh, frightening medical uh, bills that could haunt you for the rest of your life. In this case, the insurance uh, protects you from all that, and you can go on your way knowing that you've got complete um, security, financial security against medical bills. That's my goal for you, and I'm hoping that you are able to um, follow us with the uh, <laughs> the acquisition of that protection. And, and speaking of acquisitions, apparently we have acquired a um, <clears throat> at least uh, some real estate in a foreign city that I don't recognize. Randy has uh, tried to explain it to me, and 
I'm not sure I understand. Randy, uh, is this why we have so much red ink on the bottom of our financial reports? Because we become real estate moguls? There may be some relationship to that, Doug. I'm not sure. Uh, I didn't buy the whole I didn't buy the whole building. We're just leasing a floor. Oh, so that means we could walk away if we had to. We, if we could walk away if we had to. But it, you've got to look look out the windows. It's really, really a great view. Well, it is a great view, but it's a little on the cloudy side out there. Now, cloudiness in Arizona is not a bad thing because it happens so infrequently. We look forward to it. But cloudiness in a in a, a southern city is a fairly common occurrence. And so I'd rather see the sun shining brightly through ah. the windows of that conference room. So, you, do- so we may need to move again then, huh? Well, maybe to cheaper digs. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> but it does bring to mind what uh, an advisor that Ray Kroc uh, hired to guide his financial empire once he had McDonald's off the ground, once it had turned into a very successful franchising effort. This advisor helped him uh, simplify many, many of the complex financial uh, dealings that Ray Kroc went through. But one day he told Ray Kroc something that Ray Kroc did not expect to hear. And that was, you are no longer in the food service business. You are in the real estate business. And that's because McDonald's owned all of the land that all of the McDonald's stores sat on. And that became the most valuable asset, not the revenue derived from the from the sale of uh, 12 cent hamburgers or whatever they cost back then, but the <laughs> value and the increasing value of the land that his company owned by virtue of the expansion of the franchise operation. So that was news to him. And frankly, what what you announced to me every once in a while is news to me too. Well, you know, there's another, there's another similar story along those same lines. And it's, uh, it's the story of Sears. I mean, they Sears and all of those types of stores ultimately used to own all of their own land and all of their own uh, brick and mortar also. And that's, again, one of the things that they're selling off as they go broke. Yes. And that's the going broke part is the part that frightens me because they used to own the markets. They used to be, they were the Amazon.com of their day. Uh, You know, Sears and then to a lesser extent, Monkey Wards and Gaylords, and there were some regional pennies, competitors. Pennies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Sears was the king of the hill. They used to sell houses. They used to. They would sell, mail you a house if you send them a check for the right amount of money. They would put a house into a big, I guess, a big huge envelope, put that on a truck, and send it to you. And some assembly was required, of course. Sears owned the retail markets in America, and. Yeah. Uh, they they provided toilet paper for outhouses and so forth uh, inadvertently of course that that was like a side benefit of having a Sears catalog yeah i was going to say that that was a, a, an after well it was a reuse oh yes. repurposing that's the yeah. current oh can we use that term now repurposing it, it was highly sustainable until <laughs> until current times where the Sears catalog has ceased to exist and all you have is a website to go to i don't see how that's going to you know, provide the same satisfaction that the catalog pages did. It's it's interesting. Interesting. We've gotten on this topic because Margaret and I were talking just the other night. One of the things I've always loved, I'm a Christmas freak. You know, when I, 
when Christmas comes around, I all of a sudden turn into a, tw- uh, you know, a six-year-old. Yep. And one of the things I always used to like to do around Christmas was cruise the malls, you know, see all the Christmas decorations and listen to the Christmas music and all that sure. stuff. There's nothing to go look at nowadays. Well, th- what do they talk about um, right after Thanksgiving is Black Friday. Do they get it all out of their system on Black Friday and maybe you're just a little late when you show up at Christmas time? No, that well, there's the malls I used to go look at are no longer in existence. Oh, that's right. Boy, when I think about Paradise Valley Mall. Yeah, um, it's gone. It's a a parking lot. (laughs) I was there for its last hurrah. I went to have a sandwich at Chompy's on a hot day, and they had like portable air conditioning units just so I wouldn't complain. I got it. Mary and I were the only customers in the joint and and, uh, the people we were with. Yeah, it's now I know this is going to sound like I'm old because I am old, but I used to love walking around, you know, the malls on Christmas. I don't you know, we were talking about is there actually a traditional mall uh, anywhere in the, you know, within, you know, the 15 miles? We've got the small version of the Paradise Valley Mall in St. Charles. Big, beautiful building, a huge parking lot with a million places for cars around it, all empty. And I yeah. guess somebody looks at that land and, and gets um, <clears throat> ideas that it's not being used to its full advantage. And yeah. uh, the the uh, anchor stores, which one of which was Sears in the Paradise Valley Mall, they go away. And then they yeah. have... The smaller stores have no customer flow because the anchor stores were drawing the customers there. Right, right. Yep, absolutely. So, Well, there, there's my misery for today is I've got nowhere to go walk around during the holidays. Are you sorry well, for me? Do you feel sorry for me? Well, the good news for you is it's not Christmas time, so you're really not missing that Christmas spirit that you hope to enjoy. I, I'm looking forward to it that we're coming into September. Well, then I'll start feeling sorry for you if you're disappointed at Christmas time. So let's cross that bridge when we come to it. And let's cross another bridge. Here's a new study that finds six ways to slow memory decline and lower dementia risk. Now, I think we had a similar what did article. You say? What did you say, Doug? Yeah, there you go. I forgot, Randy. <laughs> I'm going to have to try it again. I think we had a similar article uh, an episode or two ago, and it was uh, things you can do to stave off the onset of dementia or reduce the um, likelihood that you're going to suffer from dementia. And this is a little different. It's new study finds six ways to slow memory decline and lower dementia risk. So a study of more than 29,000 older adults. I like that so much better than silver, stupid sneakers and uh, uh, the seniors, older adults. I think that's perfectly okay with me. Anyway, there are six habits from eating a variety of foods to regularly reading or playing cards that are linked with a lower risk of dementia and a slower rate of memory decline. Eating a balanced diet, exercising the mind and body regularly, having regular contact with others, and not drinking or smoking. Hmm, boy, uh, you know, with every <laughs> Randy's going, well, what point is there to life then? I can I can read his mind from here. Why do I even want to live, Doug? Why why would you want to get up in the morning? My God, that takes all the fun out of it. You know, with every gift, there's a takeaway. There's a charge. There's an upside and a downside that travel together. Uh, So a healthy lifestyle, it says here, may help brains age better. So if you're one of these healthy types, look out because you're going to have your memory uh, long into old age. 
The study also suggests the effects of a healthy lifestyle are beneficial even for people who are genetically more susceptible to memory decline. A very hope-giving finding for the millions of Americans around the world who carry this particular gene. It's a APOE sigma 4 dash, I don't know. It, it's a, a gene that apparently increases the odds of dementia. It's a major risk factor for Alzheimer's disease. Memory loss can be merely senescent forgetfulness. So you can somebody can think you're uh, you've lost your mind, but it might just be forgetfulness, write the authors of the study. Like forgetting the name of that TV program you used to love or that pesky fact you wanted to look up. Yes, uh, the spousal unit and I spend a lot of time asking each other, oh, you remember so-and-so? What show was she on? What? What? Oh, God, where were we living when that show was on? And it takes two of us sometimes to uh, <clears throat> find the answer to the little factoid that we're looking for, like somebody's, uh, you know, the, a long gone movie star. Who is that person? So I understand exactly what they're saying in this article. But the good news is, the researchers say, that it can be reversed or become stable rather than progress to a pathological state. The start of the study, researchers conducted baseline memory tests as well as testing for that particular APOE gene. They also surveyed participants about their daily habits. Participants were sorted into one of three groups, favorable, average, and unfavorable, based on their lifestyle. Here are the six identifiable lifestyle factors the researchers focused on, and I'll bet some of my most fun activities are included in this six. Physical exercise, doing at least 150 minutes of moderate or 75 minutes of vigorous activity per week. Number two is diet, eating appropriate daily amounts of at least seven of 12 food items, fruits, vegetables, fish, meat, dairy products, salt, oil, eggs, and cereals, legumes, nuts, and tea. The third one is alcohol. Never drank or drank occasionally. Well, I'm, that's one I'm probably going to fail at. <laughs> I can try, but I'll probably fail. Smoking. Never having smoked. Oh, that ship has sailed for me. Or being a former smoker. I guess it's better to be a former smoker uh, than to continue to smoke. Cognitive activity, exercising the brain at least twice a week by reading and playing cards or mahjong, for example. I used to play mahjong on the computer. There are several computerized mahjong games that are, I found fascinating. But um, when people, when I stopped getting computers with a mouse, that meant that my mahjong play became more difficult. Can't do it very well with a touchpad. So I stopped playing Mahjong, probably gained a lot more productive time in my life. The final episode, the final item on the list of six modifiable lifestyle factors is social contact, engaging with others at least twice a week by attending community meetings or visiting friends or relatives, for example. Over the course of the study, the researchers found that people in the favorable group, four to six healthy factors is the favorable group. Uh, and the average group, two to three healthy factors of, from that list of six, they had a slower rate of memory decline over time than people with unfavorable lifestyles, zero to one of those six healthy factors. Uh, the results show that more is better of those healthy behaviors. Can a hobby keep dementia at bay? 
experts weigh in. The study stands out because of its size and follow-up over time and because it was conducted. Oh, (laughs) I didn't read this. It was conducted in China, where most publications are based on Western high-income countries. Well, I don't know. I don't know if that makes it as uh, appropriate for us. Randy is looking at me like, what are you doing to me, Doug? We could have been talking about Medicare stuff instead of how to retain our memories from Chinese behavior patterns. But I digress. For instance, the study found that the lifestyle factor with the greatest effect on reducing memory decline was a balanced diet. Other studies have suggested that diet matters less in old age than physical and mental exercise. Oh, boy. There's a link between uh, how we live and our cognitive function as we age. So that's, uh, that is an interesting and uh, hopeful article there that tells us that there is hope for the future. Oh, boy. Now here's a – I'm going to put this article aside. There is a one uh, – There is one plan that's a Medicare Advantage plan that I have written about in my book that I actually like. It's a Medicare Advantage plan that has all the freedoms of a Medicare supplement plan. Oh, probably. uh, I'm going to read it now. I'm just, I don't like sadness. And this is like a death in the family. This is a a letter from uh, a listener to Tony King. Remember Tony, she spells Tony with an I. Because she's a girl. And, of course, I spell Doug with a G because I'm a guy. Tony's from uh, Sugarland, Texas, and she has a column. She does a lot of Medicare stuff, and she says, uh, she answers this question, is an MSA, medical savings account, like an employee, uh, employer HSA plan? That's the question posed by this reader. And uh, Tony goes on to say, great question, Janice. Oh, I I should read the question. Never have I seen this question in your column. I'm leaving an employer's insurance plan, and I have an HSA that has a $5,000 deductible before the group health plan will begin to pay. I would like to know if there is a Medicare plan like my company's HSA plan. Our premiums are very affordable with more doctors and hospitals than the company group health insurance with a typical health insurance deductible. When I retire in January, I will be on a fixed income with my Social Security check, and I really do not want to go the Medicare Advantage HMO route because I do not like an insurance company telling me where and if I can use certain doctors or facilities if I have a serious health problem. I've read about MSA in the Medicare and You handbook, but I cannot find any information on MSA um, in all the marketing material that's been mailed to me. So I'd like to know how I can get information about an MSA plan that might be sold in Texas and what the premium would be. How can I get information on this type of plan? I have a few friends who have an Aetna PPO Medicare Advantage plan that is leaving the Houston area and they are having problems applying for a Medicare supplement due to health problems. I really do not want a Medicare Advantage HMO or PPO plan. Smart woman. I appreciate your time in explaining this. Janice from Cypress, Texas. And Tony answers, great question, Janice. MSAs are new to the Medicare market with only one MSA company available in Texas. That is the Medicare Advantage MSA plan uh, from Lasso Healthcare. The MSA plans are unique in the premium, deductible, and maximum yearly out-of-pocket. For 2020, 
and this is uh, pretty old, Texas rated as region number one. Basically, the MSA plan she's talking about is the one that I have written about in my book every year, and I have said that it's one Medicare Advantage plan that I can get behind, and I've sold a few of these. The Medicare MSA, which stands for Medical Savings Account, is a unique plan that offers all the freedoms of a Medicare supplement it costs nothing. It has no, it has a zero monthly premium. It has a big deductible, but more than half of that is covered by a deposit from the plan. So let's say it's got a $5,000 deductible, but the plan puts $3,000 into an account in your name. Well, then it really has only a $2,000 deductible. There is no premium. So you've gained something there and you have perfect freedom of choice. You can go anywhere that the uh, uh, that accepts Medicare and that any doctor or facility that's willing to accept your Medicare MSA plan. The problem is that it's uh, a Medicare Advantage plan in name only. It belongs to the family of Medicare Advantage plans because the federal government stuck it in that category. I don't think they should have stuck it in that category. I think it should be a uh, its own um, standalone, unique plan treated for its own benefits. But I ran into a uh, client who I sold this plan to because she had no other options. And uh, then we found out that some... Uh, major medical treatment facilities like uh, some of the um, the uh, uh, Rochester, Minnesota. Uh, oh, geez. We've got one here in Arizona, and there's one in Jacksonville, Florida, the Mayo Clinic, and the uh, a couple of other, like MD Anderson, I think, Cleveland Clinic, are not taking MA plans, Medicare Advantage plans, like they used to. And so since this is officially a M- Medicare Advantage plan, this woman was kind of out of luck when she needed specialized treatment, even though I tried to explain to the people at the offices of these plans that uh, are these uh, medical facilities that a Medicare MSA is a, a unique animal. It is a fantastic combination of a Medicare Advantage plan with all the freedom of choice of a Medicare supplement. So quick facts about MSA plans. Medicare MSA is a high deductible plan. It is a Medicare Advantage plan. That's an unfortunate fact of life that I don't like. Monthly premium is zero. Use any Medicare provider or facility nationwide. MSA plan deposits into your uh, savings account annually. They put money in at the beginning of a year, and you have the use of that money for anything you want to do with it. Uh, You meet your MSA deductibles and pay nothing for MSA Part A and B costs. The funds are tax-free. For qualified medical expenses. You don't have to pay taxes on that money that the plan gives you. Uh, enroll in a standalone Medicare Part D plan to keep from receiving a Medicare Part D penalty. That's the drug coverage. While an MSA may not be right for every Medicare beneficiary, those that wish to spend little or no premium dollars while staying in control of their health care choices, exploring your options with an MSA may give you peace of mind. Well, the sad news is that the MSA plan that she talks about here, the one that I talk about in my book, has um, bitten the dust. And I'm not supposed to be saying this to you, so the the uh, Medicare police may come and drag me out of here by the time this episode is aired. But the MSA plan that we've discussed here today 
has been withdrawn from the market, and I am not able to offer it as a magnificent solution to my uh, clients who like the idea of freedom of choice, but still have to have a uh, Medicare Advantage plan for one way or uh, for one reason or another. So that is the unfortunate fact of life that I was confronted with recently. Um, one more article here. Let me, uh, I'm sure the crickets have probably, unless Randy forgot to, to tell the crickets, uh, to, uh, start timing our efforts here. I'm pretty sure the crickets have told, uh, Randy that he should cut me off, but I've got one little article here. The price of elder care soars as demand increases and baby boomers are aging. Many Americans who serve as caregivers are consumed by by the immense cost of tending to ailing or aging family members. And as the baby boomer generation ages, more Americans are in for a rude awakening as to just how expensive caring for older adults has become. The price of nursing home care has increased by an average of 2.4% each year between 2012 and 2019 for a cumulative increase of 20%, almost 21%. That stems from multiple sources, including personnel costs, and the price of adhering to facility regulations. But the cost of care has primarily shot up due to the increased demand in adult daycares, assisted living facilities, or nursing homes. The median cost to stay in a private room in a nursing home in the U.S. is $9,000 a month, according to the 2021 data from the life insurance company Genworth Financial. That same year, the median cost to stay in a semi-private room in a nursing home was $8,000 a month, and the price to stay in an assisted living facility was $4,500 per month. But of, those, of course, those prices vary by state. In Massachusetts, for example, the median cost of a private nursing home is $15,000 per month, um, while semi-private nursing home is $14,000 per month and $8,000 per month to stay in an assisted living facility. I think it'd be a lot cheaper to have somebody come to your house and hang around with you all day to do that stuff that uh, they would do for you in the nursing home. Seems like that would be a more economically feasible solution. Even for the quarter of adults who require around-the-clock care, the 25% of adults who require around-the-clock care, half of those care hours are provided by family members. More than two-fifths, more than 40% of baby boomers don't have any retirement savings, according to a survey of 2020 census data. Without savings, most retired adults will need to rely solely on income they receive through Social Security because Medicare, the federal health insurance policy for adults 65 and older, does not cover nursing home or assisted facility stays assisted living facility stays. The average retired worker receives a monthly social security check for about $1,800 upon retirement at age 65. Uh, Let's see. The person who wrote this article, or the person who was interviewed, I guess, added that some older adults could turn to Medicaid as a last resort, but that isn't really an attractive option. We don't really have a great solution, that person said. Yeah, you go to Medicaid, They'll be happy to pay for your care, but they're going to find, ask you what all of your assets are, and then they're going to make you spend all of your money first. And then when you go on Medicaid welfare uh, to ask them for treatment, you're going to have fewer choices. Your 
facility that you're allowed to stay in for Medicaid uh, to pay for may not be one of your choosing, and it's just an unfortunate situation. On the other hand, speaking as a taxpayer, I don't particularly want a lot of money going out the door to support Medicaid patients. So I can see both sides of that coin. I want better treatment for the old people that need the care, and I want less costly or fewer tax dollars to head out in that direction. So, Randy, that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. I don't know that there is a good solution. No, I don't believe there is, to be honest with you. I've I've had, you know, contact and exposure to all the various different options, and I don't think there really is a good option. But bottom line is we are out of money. We have spent our 75 cents. Someday, we're going to kick in an extra 25 cents and see what that buys us. But right now, I'm just having trouble buying cricket food on the budget that (laughs) we've allocated. So, Well, you know, we spent our 75 cents, but before I close up shop for today, pull up our tent stakes and walk on down the road, I want you to write. Does that make you a stakeholder? Yes, it does. (laughs) I'm a person that gives a darn. Well, good for you. We are going to actually copy down Doug's email address. Grab your pencil and a piece of paper. It's dbj at mlmmailbag.com. He loves to hear from you. And when he doesn't, he's depressed. I'm telling you, you got to send him some email. He wakes up every morning hoping. And some other things I always like to mention is Doug is licensed nationwide to help you with your Medicare supplement planning. And you can check us out on our website at medicareforthelazyman.com. I would appreciate, as would Doug, finding a place to give us a review on the podcast and the book. Our life in this kind of a world is all about the numbers. But last, but certainly not least, is thank you for joining us. You could have been a number of different places, and you weren't. You were here with us spending some quality time with Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. If you didn't keep your track of your watch, you know, I know nobody wears a wristwatch anymore. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm telling my age, but if you didn't, you have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma. No more. He's living in Cave Creek up in the high ground. And I just heard from one of his neighbors that last night he spent the whole night out in the backyard keeping track of the Medicare Advantage salesman. And I kept them away. With a pair of Army surplus binoculars and a telescope. I've got three eyes. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Ultimately, I'm going to put him in at about 7,500 feet because he needs to. I think think you need to live longer if you have oxygen. My brain needs a little more oxygen than it's been getting lately. I think that's (laughs) that's been very apparent. But ladies and gentlemen... Thank you so much for putting up with us today, and I look forward to having you join us for our next episode. So long.